Welcome to Jane Unchained, featuring best-selling author, TV journalist, and JaneUnchained.com founder, Jane Velez Mitchell. In the next few minutes, you'll hear a secret solution to the problems that plague our world. If you want to revolutionize your life, get truly joyful, and jump to the next phase of human evolution, all it takes is one simple choice. Now, here's your host, Jane Velez Mitchell. Hello, and we are so excited to have with us today... The man of the hour, really, Dr. Milton Mills. (laughs) Dr. Milton Mills is a man with tremendous information, information that we need right now. Uh, This is information that uh, I think the vast majority of the American public have no idea about. So take it away, Dr. Mills. We have a global uprising. We've got uh, people around the world marching against racism, but... A lot of people are leaving out a big part of the equation, which is our food system and racism and oppression within the food system. Well, that, that's absolutely true. And, you know, I think uh, a big part of it is because people don't often question or think critically about the food that they eat. Um, People are raised within specific cultures um, and taught to eat a certain way. And um, unless something tremendous or um, traumatic happens, most individuals don't stop and step back and ask, well, why am I doing this? And this is especially true in a country like the United States, where we are inundated and beaten over the head continuously by uh, advertisements that encourage us to eat what American um, food companies are producing. Because in America, it's all about making money. And people that produce food want to make money. And the way that they do that is by encouraging people to eat more of what they're producing. Not only that, but they specifically design the foods that they uh, proffer to be addictive. And so people grow up eating this stuff, they become addicted to it, and they never stop to ask, is this something I should be eating in the first place? And that is absolutely something that, first of all, every human being needs to do, um, but It's especially important now because, as you say, we're really, for the uh, first time in recent history, I think, trying to step back and take a look at the systemic roots of racism. Well, a major part of that is the kinds of institutional practices, uh, dietary habits that create ill health uh, and sickness chronic illness in communities of color. Because when people are chronically sick and ill, they cannot advocate for themselves. They are in no real position to um, try to fight off all of the other things that society is throwing at them in terms of the systemic racism because they're too busy trying to stay alive. And so it, it is really, really important to step back, as, as, as you, you mentioned, and take a look at 
what are we eating? Why are we eating it? And should we be eating this stuff in the first place? Now, I had read a book about abuse in the food system. And one of the things that really struck me was that the author said that the people who run these fast food companies, those at the very top, the 0.1 percenters that are making all the money off fast food, they don't eat fast food. Their of course they don't. don't eat fast food. This is food that they are feeding to people knowing that it's going to make them fat, sick, and nearly dead, as the documentary said. Right. And um, they don't really care. And they know it because they don't eat it themselves and they don't let their kids eat it. The irony, the tragic irony, is that uh, communities of color are going out and buying fast food. Those companies, to a, a great degree, you are saying, you can elaborate, you told me the other day, are actually supporting uh, the politicians who are in opposition to them and oppressing them. That is absolutely true. Um, if you look at the list of all of the vast majority of the major fast food companies in this country, they all donate to the Trump campaign and or to Republicans. And it's because they put in place the uh, economic policies such as the farm bill, farm sus subsidies that make these unhealthy products, I don't even want to call it food, products that they manufacture and distribute cheap and easily available. But you're absolutely right that these people don't eat this way. If you go into any wealthy neighborhood or housing development, you do not see Popeye's, Chick-fil-A, KFC, uh, McDonald's, Wendy's, Burger King, Taco Bell, all of these uh, um, uh, fast food outlets are targeted to inner city areas and communities of color because in essence, these uh, manufacturers are pimping people of color to make money off of us. And they couldn't care less if once you <clears throat> pay for your double Whopper with three kinds of cheeses, you walk out the door and drop dead because they've got your money. And that's all that they care about. Let's talk a little bit about why fast food, brand names aside, and by the way, anybody we mentioned, any company is invited on any time on Jane Unchained. We would love to dialogue with them. As far as I'm concerned, they're giant boxes. I have nothing against the companies themselves, just the products they sell. And uh, if they started selling healthy food, I'd be all for it. Um, in fact, Absolutely. one of the first times I've ever walked into one of these places was when they started offering vegan uh, burgers, which are, no matter what anybody tells you, they're a heck of a lot healthier than meat burgers. Yes, Probably, they are. Yes. And um, I was in there for the first time. I'd never actually gone into one of these uh, locations. Uh, and so... Um, we're not oppositional to them. We're oppositional to the system and the food they're selling. And um, any of these companies could be converted to selling healthy food. They sell Absolutely. food. Okay. Take it away, though, in terms of why these uh, food items are so bad. In general, brand names sure. aside. Sure. They're bad and they're unhealthy because they are, um, first of all, they're built around animal foods. And all the research uh, that we have shows that the more people adopt and adhere to a whole food plant-based diet, the healthier they become. Their 
risk for chronic, and the, um, you can look at the Adventist health studies. There's an Adventist health study one, Adventist health study two that were done here in the United States looking at black and white Americans as well as Americans of other ethnicities so that we know that their findings are relevant and applicable to Americans. And they have shown consistently that those people who are plant-based have lower incidence of all types of cancer, lower incidence of heart disease, lower incidence of diabetes, stroke, dementia, and that they live longer. And this grows for every ethnic group. So there is no question that a plant-based diet will promote health. Well, the opposite is equally true. That diets that are built around animal foods, such as uh, meat, things that are high in fat, especially saturated fat, things that contain a lot of dairy, um, are things that create and promote disease, including cancer, heart disease, diabetes, and autoimmune diseases. And when you look at <clears throat> what is offered in these fast food establishments, it is all meat, grease, cheese, sugar, and no fiber. And we that that is a recipe for death. We are talking to Dr. Milton Mills, who has spoken to the USDA Advisory Committee and called out the racism inherent in the USDA food guidelines. We are talking to Dr. Mills today, who also works with Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine and Switch for Good, about how racism manifests in the food system. And for a nation now in the middle of an upheaval, uh, talking about racism, it, it, in the infrastructures of our society, there is no more important subject than to discuss racism in food because it's something that people have control over. Three times a day, people spend their money buying food. So those who are marching by the tens of thousands, the hundreds of thousands in streets across America, if they want to oppose racism, should listen to what Dr. Milton Mills has to say about how to effectively use our consumer diet uh, dollars to stand up against racism. So elaborate on that. Maybe bring it full circle. Like, sure. what's the big picture? What would you tell people of all backgrounds who are marching across the country against injustice, against unfairness, against racial inequality? What would you, Dr. Mills, tell them to do regarding food? Well, um, you know, I'm a big believer that the more people understand the better they are to make and adhere to change. And so one of the things that I think is really important for people to uh, realize is that there has been a recurring pattern of how this country has dealt with communities of color, minority populations. It's happened with uh, Native Americans. It's happened with African Americans. It's happened with uh, um, uh, Hispanic Americans, and to some extent with Asian Americans. And typically, in one way or another, the country takes these populations, removes them from a place where they have food independence, and um, they are able to grow and provide their own food, puts them in a situation where they are food dependent, because number one, when people are dependent on uh, the government or handouts for their food, they become very controllable. They become very malleable because whereas 
I might want to, you know, march and storm the gates of, you know, some citadel um, for my own sake. If I've got a child that I've got to feed, I'm probably not going to do that because I love my children. And so I'm going to do what I need to do to get food on their table. And so over and over, the uh, government has taken people from a uh, position of food independence, put them in a uh, place of food dependence, but then turned around and used them to make money by selling them commodity products, which essentially are the uh, uh, overproduction, leftover um, processed products of American agribusiness. It did this with Native Americans by uh, burning down their crops, destroying, uh, forcing them off their ancestral lands, putting them on these marginal plots of lands called reservations, and then making them dependent on the government for handout. And what did the government give them? White bread, sugar, alcohol, and lard. And as a result, Native American populations now have one of the highest rates of diabetes and other chronic diseases that we see. African-Americans were perfectly happy living independently in West Africa. They were dragged from their ancestral homes, confined to slave labor camps that were euphemistically called plantations, and then force-fed the garbage of those plantations. And that's why they ended up being forced to eat the feet of the pigs, the ears of the pigs, the tails of the uh, um, oxen, and the, 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 the neck bones and so forth. And uh, things that like collard greens and so forth, which are actually very healthy, were considered weeds. And that's why the slaves were forced to eat them. Um, unfortunately, once slavery ended, instead of uh, Black Americans leaving that plantation diet on the plantation, unfortunately, we carried it with us, rechristened it soul food, and it is killing us. It is not soul food. It is not the way our ancestors ate. It is incredibly unhealthy and creates excess disease. Same thing with Hispanic Americans. When white Europeans came to the United States, or to North America, excuse me, before the United States came into existence, Mexico and uh, people of Mexican descent inhabited the Western United States. But as we essentially stole that land from Native Americans, uh, organized it into territories and then states, suddenly people who had been living there for generations were deemed illegals and um, put in a position where they couldn't earn a decent living and therefore they too uh, were placed in a position of food uh, uh, insecurity and, as a, and, and forced into marginal areas where they, um, again, became dependent on uh, government food subsidies, which all too often are these unhealthy commodity crops that are essentially the excess overproduction by agribusiness concerns who then use these uh, vulnerable populations to make money off of because they're not concerned about our health. Otherwise, they would be giving us whole healthy foods. No, they're simply trying to empty their warehouses and make money in the process. Now, we are talking to Dr. Milton Mills about racism and diet. And the points you've raised are absolutely spot on, but very few people 
consider this. The truth is, and I speak as someone who is Puerto Rican as well as Irish, that when you talk to, and I'll use my example, I talk to a Latina culture and they'll say, well, I could never give up meat because I'm, and then they'll mention Puerto Rican, Cuban, Mexican, Guatemalan, Argentinian, Peruvian, Brazilian. And I try to say, look, you're confusing. If you go way back to what, what the original diet of the indigenous people who lived in Latin America is, it's yuca, it's platanos, it's rice, it's corn, it's beans, it's fruit. Absolutely. And yet you will get pushback because of the brainwashing. And I think the same thing happens in the African-American community where there is an association and allegiance to, as you mentioned, quote unquote, soul food, which is really not what the original ancestral food is. If you look at Ethiopian food, for example, we have a little Ethiopia here in Los Angeles. It's extremely vegan. In fact, there's a lot of vegan Ethiopian restaurants and vegan Ethiopian runners are some of the fastest runners in the world. But how do we get that message across? How do we convince people that they are actually subsidizing their own oppression when they eat fast food, junk food, soul food, ribs, um, burgers, and all the sure. things that uh, that are actually what psychologically and emotionally they're aligning aligning themselves with? Right. Well. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. It, it starts with education. People have to understand that the original ancestral diets were not these European meat-centered, dairy-filled uh, diets that we've come to associate with ethnic cuisines. Most of what people consider ethnic cuisines are what I call post-colonization versions of these ethnic cuisines. Because traditional Hispanic uh, uh, foods were, as you say, built around beans, rice, corn, squash, um, uh, 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 plantain, yuca. Uh, yuca. Uh, the dairy and the meat came in when the Spanish came in and the Europeans came in. Same exactly. thing with Native American diets. The foods that people have, been, have learned to eat are things that they have been taught by colonizers to eat. And if we really are going to throw off the yoke of colonization and all of the, its attendance evils, we have to start with the diet because we can't do anything when we're sick. We can't march. We can't advocate for ourselves. We can't pull ourselves out of the, the, the uh, uh, confines of, 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 of poverty and racism if we are essentially dying a slow death. Absolutely. We've got a caller, Tanya. Thank you for your patience. What is your question? Uh, go ahead. Hi. Um, hi, Jane. Um, uh, hi, Dr. Mills. I'm um, hi. Tanya Carrier. I'm from Michigan. I'm actually a contributor with Jane Unchained. Um, one ask a question. Dr. Mills, I just think your voice is so uh, important. I love all of your posts on Facebook and all of your social media. And thank you so much for educating the masses, also being an educator for me. Um, this is such a difficult time, of course, for Americans. Um, I'm a white person. I've been protesting in my community, which is kind of a small town. Um, I'm trying to do, I'm trying to learn, I'm trying to grow, I'm trying to do what I should do, but I also am an, a vegan activist. So my question is, like, right now, do you think there's an appropriate 
combination or a way of suggesting a combination of veganism within the black rights movement. I know it's a touchy subject. Yeah, Tanya, you've you've offered a great question. Thank you so much, Tanya. And she's one of our great contributors. Go ahead, Dr. Mills. Yeah, well, the the, the short answer is absolutely. Because um, as Jane mentioned, traditional West African diets are actually plant-based diets. They're built around whole grains, uh, green leafy plants, legumes. There's no dairy that is a part of, of traditional West African diets. They are low fat. And to whatever extent they did use animal foods, it was usually rare on special occasions like, you know, uh, weddings, you know, some sort of celebratory event. And even then, they ate very small portions of animal tissue. This, This phenomenon of sitting down to a plate that is filled with a giant piece of a carcass with a few sprinkling of vegetables, that is entirely European. And it's actually modern European because... Years ago, even the Europeans couldn't afford to eat that Only way. Only the kings. Only right. the kings. Exactly. Which is why gout was considered a disease of kings. So um, th- there's no question that, that we need to, to uh, help people understand that being plant-based is integral to our uh, um, uh, history as people of color, uh, particularly black people. And it is important for our health. The other thing that I always remind people of, is nobody asked for fried chicken, ice cream, or pork chop in the delivery room. Babies are born without preferences. Everything somebody thinks they like, somebody taught them to like. Mm -hmm. And why are we going to hold on to bad habits that were bequeathed to us by our oppressors that are clearly killing us when we can choose to live and eat differently? And Dr. Mills, I have to jump in because... So often it is said, this is not the right time. It's not the right time to broach this. It's not the right time to say that your diet is contributing to your own oppression. And um, I I find that that's a quandary. It almost reminds me of the gun control issue. Anytime there's a mass shooting and then somebody wants to talk about gun control, it's not the right time. Oh, let's just offer our prayers and uh, our thoughts. And finally, people are calling you know what on that. But it's the same thing here. I mean, it's the same thing with the climate change movement. We go to climate change protests and people are eating hot dogs and, 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 and fomenting about climate change when eating hot dogs is what causes climate change. But if you go up to them, they will say, it's not the right time. You can't talk to me about that now. Indeed, I have talked to indigenous people who are doing ceremonies about the destruction of the rainforest, which is being destroyed at a rate of 20 20 size the 20 times the size of Manhattan, 20 times the size of Manhattan since the start of this year, and say, look, I understand you're having your ceremonies, but the reason the Amazon is being destroyed is to create cattle grazing land. And I've been told to my face, be quiet. You're being inappropriate. This is not the time. So how do we get around that? Because we're running out of time. If sure. we don't transition to a plant-based diet, there is a an issue that's going to eclipse everything that there we're talking no about. Time. And that is our planet will become 
uninhabitable for all human life. And that is no exaggeration. No, that is absolutely true. First of all, when people say it's not the time, my response is that is a load of male bovine fertilizer. Okay. (laughs) Um, And because the time to hear the truth is when someone gives you the truth. And I know this because I work in a hospital and I see people dying from heart disease and cancer and all sorts of diseases every day who would give their right arm if they had another chance, if they had heard that being plant-based could have helped them avoid the cancer that's killing them or the heart disease that has ruined their life or taken a loved one from them. So the, the, the point is that whenever truth makes itself known, it is time to share it. Does that mean that people are always going to be uh, receptive? No, because nobody likes to be told that you're doing something wrong, that um, um, you need to change. We're humans. We don't like to change. We want to do what we do, especially when we're addicted to living a certain way. But that's immaterial. We still need to share the truth, whether people want to hear it or not. Because the point is that truth is like a seed. When it gets planted, it will be watered. And in most cases, it will eventually uh, uh, bear fruit. So I I use an example that I I think Lisa uh, referred to last time. When I, I told people that, you know, when people are sitting in a dark room and you suddenly come in and you turn on a light, people close their eyes because it hurts. And so we shouldn't be surprised when we try to educate people about how uh, animal food-based diets are destroying their health, destroying the planet, changing the climate, because it's, they've been sitting in darkness. But we can't be dismayed by that. We can't be put off by it. We have to be patient with them, but we still need to share the light that we have and eventually they will adjust to it. I just wish if I had one wish that I could make happen right now that you were part of the national panel that speaks. You should be on every network because imagine, imagine if everybody who's marching against inequality right now were to turn around and take their dollars that they spend every day on fast food and meat, and dairy and processed oh food Absolutely. and they were to abandon that this, because in our society, money talks more than anything else. Yes. That's why the stock market keeps going going up while people are out of work. People are walk. I see people now walking around town like I've never seen before with suitcases, holding suitcases. People are in dire straits. It's tragic, yes. Yes, it's tragic. But money talks. If everybody marching would, along with speaking their truth, remove their dollars from a food system that is oppressing them and buy fruits, vegetables, nuts, and grains and support a healthy, whole food, plant-based diet, that would be truly a revolution with long-lasting consequences. I feel like you should be on every network, Dr. Mills, and I don't know what I can do to make that happen, but uh, I would like to do everything I could to make that happen because you really have the missing piece to the puzzle. But, I mean, why aren't we talking about this? I mean, Dr. Mills, why are we not talking? uh, There is a resistance. 
There right. is a resistance. Is there any way, let's say, let me let me just say this. Um, we've been working with uh, people who are standing up for the slaughterhouse workers, and we're going to be uh, doing a, a meat boycott. In fact, it's already underway. LULAC, the nation's largest Latino civil rights organization, did Meatless May, and it's being expanded. So we're going to be doing a meat boycott, and I know you're going to be speaking at the news conference, but how do we expand that to include all groups? Well, you, you, let me let me come back to that question you asked. Why aren't we talking about this? Let me ask you a question, Jane. If you, um, after your, your show today, went down to your local crack house and walked in and started talking to the people about not using crack, do you think they'd be interested in hearing what you had to say? Of course not, because they're addicted to what they're doing. And the reason we aren't talking about this more is because the people who are leading the movement for Black Lives Matter, and most of them are addicted to this lifestyle. So that's why it's incumbent upon us who know what's right and know what's true to raise our voices, whether people are happy to hear them or not, because we've got to get the truth out there. And just like it took a while for the message that Black Lives Matter to resonate, it may take some time. Uh, And and I'm going to say it may take some time because, first of all, um, the plant-based movement is growing by leaps and bounds. And people are coming to a consciousness about this. We just have to be more vocal and, and share this news. And, and let me share one other thought, because the minute you, you talk to people about changing their diet, what you hear over and over is, but I love, but I love chicken, but I love hamburgers, but I love. You know what I ask people? Are you in a relationship? Most people will say, yeah, I'm in a relationship. I ask them, are you in a relationship with the very first person you fell in love with? And they say, no. And that's because you were in love with someone one time, you thought you couldn't live without breathing their breath, and then they did something stupid, like put on a MAGA hat, and you said, why am I with this fool? (laughs) And you moved on. And now you love someone else as much or more than you love that other person. It's the same thing with our diet. Once we break these chains of addiction, we can learn to love healthy diets, and we will love them more than we loved the food that is destroying our health. And I'm saying this because I'm speaking from experience. I grew up eating all kinds of meat and didn't think I could live without it until by God's grace, I was delivered. And it horrifies me that I used to put dead corpses into my system. I've been plant-based for over 40 years, have no desire to go back. It has been the most wonderful thing one of the most wonderful things I've ever done in my life. And it's a change that everyone can make. And once you get away from this unhealthy lifestyle, you will not miss it. We've got Kim back. Let's give her another shot. Kim, your question or thought? Hi, I'm terribly sorry I got disconnected. I just wanted to say I'm a huge huge fan of Dr. Mills ever since I saw him kind of roll his eyes on what the hell (laughs) when someone asked asked him, what about protein or something. But um, so I I grew up on the south side of Chicago and I grew up on, you know, the fried chicken, the pork chops, the country fried steak and, you know, everything fried. And I now am vegan for seven years. And I'm wondering if there's a organization or nonprofit um, organization out there that takes a family and says, here, let me help your whole family. Let let me go. And I've seen it in movies, but I I don't know. Is there a 
a nonprofit out there that would say, let me just make it happen for you. Let me show you how to do it. Let me take you by the hand, you know. Is there oh, anything oh. like that out there? Thank you, Kim. Your, your name is Kim, right? Kim. Yes, Kim Delgado. Yeah, Kim. I'm a huge fan Kim. of yours. Kim, I'm sending you kisses and hugs virtually um, <laughs> because I, I had proposed a while ago that we need in every area of the country to form what I, I initially called it BATS, vegan action teams. I uh, changed it to ah. PBAT, plant-based action teams that will do exactly that, that will have a uh, nutritionist, a life coach, ah. um, uh, and, and uh, um, what was the third member? Um, uh, a, a health coach to help people make change in ways that are sustainable. Now, I will say that there are groups in, in various cities that are doing that. Out here in Virginia, um, the uh, Green, I think it's the Green Life Cafe in Herndon, they have a program that is uh, um, set up to that extent. Chicago has a lot of vegan um, uh, um, uh, restaurants and groups. They may have something similar, but you are absolutely right. We need to be much more aggressive about marketing these things and being those sources of support for people who want to change so that they will learn how to change, learn how to shop differently, learn how to cook different. Oh, yeah, the third member was a chef, a vegan chef, to learn how to cook differently. Um, so that they will literally learn how to live differently and and they will also understand that switching to a plant-based diet is not about suffering and privation. It's about being healthy and happy and feeling better than you've ever felt before in your life. Yes, and by the way, we've just started something here at Jane Unchained. My little doggie wants to disconnect us and I'm not going to let it. Okay, <laughs> I've got four of them now. Uh, but uh, we started here something at Jane Unchained uh, with Artist Waves uh, software and it's called Plant-Based Neighbor. It's a new app. You can go to plantbasedneighbor.com, sign up and then connect and we have three levels because this is not an ex we don't want to be an exclusive club. Okay. So we have vegan, we have on the journey and we have veg curious. So what we're hoping that that will happen is that people um, who connect, then if they're veg curious, they can ask just yesterday, my next door neighbor uh, stopped me on the street. He said, I I'm getting into this vegan thing. What fast food? Uh, what, sorry, what, a vegan delivery service would you recommend? I got his email. I went through. I gave him Happy Cow app, I, which is the greatest resource. I gave him a story that Jane Unchained did on Vistro, which is an incredible uh, meal delivery, vegan meal delivery service that has gotten top ratings, 9.8%. Wow. And uh, I sent it to him, and he was thrilled. So um, I think it's very important to connect with people nearby, you know, for potlucks and for things like that. So check out and maybe Dr. Mills, if you'd be uh, uh, willing to sign up to plantbasedneighbor.com, uh, that would be great to have you. Uh, would love to have your face on there. Uh, and um, it just it just launched yesterday at the National Animal Rights Council. Uh, uh, day at NARD. So we oh, just, cool. it's a website now, as soon as we get enough people and we're using it in beta to test the kinks, uh -huh. to work out the kinks, we're going to launch it as an app. And uh, this is just to 
connect people because so many vegans feel alone. You know, they're sure. surrounded, especially now when we're still, some of us still in isolation. I'm not going out hugging people, that's for sure. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, we feel alone. This way we can, uh, we can make networks. We've got to connect the dots. Um, and uh, you, you believe, though, that things are changing. I know things are starting to change in the climate safe movement. Finally, they're getting the message. Uh, there was a lot of buh, 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 and then Joaquin Phoenix spoke at all the award shows, and it seemed to create a shift. Go ahead. Jane, um, let me say that, uh, oh, let me just, before I forget, there's another uh, vegan food delivery service called the Purple Carrot. Uh, that one's out there, too. Hmm. Uh, but when I went plant-based over 40 years ago, there was nothing. There was, there was you could go to the health food store in your city if there was one and find some you know really primitive uh uh, plant-based products or you know uh uh uh, stone ground whole wheat bread or some items but there was no such thing as um uh, vital wheat gluten or any of these other products that are out there now not that i'm saying you should build your diet around there but i'm just saying that the landscape has changed so dramatically there were no vegan restaurants in fact Vegan wasn't even heard of. If you'd said vegan to someone, they'd have thought you were speaking a foreign language. So things have changed incredibly. I mean, it, but it's like racism. Yeah, things have gotten better, uh, but we still have a long way to go. And it's the same way with getting people on a plant-based lifestyle. Things have changed tremendously, but we still have just you know miles and miles to go. But I am incredibly encouraged because the world is completely different from the one that I stepped into when I went became plant-based. And I also know that when people try it, it becomes self-reinforcing. That's why I stopped asking my patients to change their diet for the rest of their life. I tell them, I want you to do this for 12 weeks. If at the end of the 12 weeks, you don't feel better, you're not doing better, you're not functioning better, go back to what you were doing. But I know that well before that time, they will feel so much better. They will, you know, uh, feel, uh, uh, um, have uh, so much better functioning that they won't want to go back, that it will be a life-changing experience and reinforce itself. All right, we're going to take a short break on Voice America Radio, but we are staying live on Facebook. So you can ask questions. You can call in 866-472-5795. That uh, phone number is on the intro. And uh, we are just it, just having a delightful conversation with Dr. Milton Mills. Again, my only, my only remorse over it is that this is not being broadcast globally to the world, but we're going to get there. Yes. Because every single person who hears this is a very important piece of the puzzle. Um, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. 
Are you ready for provocative discussions with some of today's most powerful movers and shakers? Tune in to The Art of Significance, featuring Dan Clark, the modern-day Napoleon Hill, who interviews the wealthiest, most successful celebrities and business leaders on the planet who are using their influence to change the world. From authors to entertainers, sports figures, educators to military leaders, Dan covers multiple topics. Tune in every Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencer channel the voice america talk radio network is on instagram make sure you follow us and comment on our pictures from behind the scenes at our radio shows live events and around the network we want to see what you have to share as well check us out on instagram at voice america talk radio we don't follow we lead join us the voice america influencers channel You are listening to Jane Unchained. To reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email in to News at gmail.com. Now back to the show. All right, we are here with Dr. Milton Mills. And I just love your message. It is so empowering. How can we get through? Because we're in a time of national upheaval. This, the, the closest I can remember, and I'm going to be turning 65 in uh, two months, uh, is when Would I that was, have known? <laughs> huh? Wouldn't have known that. Well, uh, if, if I look younger than my age, it's the lighting and veganism. Now, but, well, it's, yeah, veganism gives you a younger biological age, which that's what I tell people. Is your chronological age is not important. It's your biological age that matters. Well, thank you. Thank you, doctor. I'll take it. <laughs> um, but the closest I can remember to what's happening today in the streets is I remember in the early 70s when I was a teenager wearing bell bottoms and thinking I was so cool in Manhattan <laughs> growing up, uh, the anti-war protests where right. the streets were literally taken over. This is the closest thing. And I've been a journalist for 40 years. I've never seen anything like the uh, the Women's March after the election, I was there, I went, and we went with a group uh, of uh, vegans, and we marched in solidarity as feminists. Uh, we can also make the connection between animal abuse and feminism. Absolutely. Suffice it to say that none of these animals are making love on these factory farms. They're all raped. They're raped into existence, and there's something called the rape rack. Um, maybe we could talk a little bit about that, because our overarching theme today is how do we activate people who are concerned about racial injustice, but then just hearkening back to marching in the women's march, concerned about feminism. Um, and uh, how do we, we, we explain to them that this is not a separate issue, that, the, that, that factory farming is the ultimate violation of the maternal reproductive system, doctor? Sure. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and, and I think, for me, one of the easiest ways to make this connection is that Every it's, it's, it's literally a cliche that whenever 
some new serial killer comes to light, invariably they find someone from his hometown to say, I always knew there was something wrong with that kid because he used to torture animals. Right. And what that tells you is that the willingness to abuse and mistreat other sentient beings, it's a continuum. That if you're willing, it's like Jesus said, if you're willing to do it to the least of these, you'll do it to uh, uh, the, 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 the greatest. And when people uh, um, abuse and mistreat animals, that leads them to abuse and mistreat each other. And that's one of the reasons why we as humans download that sort of uh, um, distasteful um, um, profession to butchers and, and slaughterhouse workers because we don't want to do it. If we had to go out and kill the animals ourselves, we wouldn't do it. So we pay other people to be our torturers and, and, and murderers and, and butchers. But it is on a continuum. And let me say this, um, um, and, I, and I can say this because I'm African-American, um, and it's, it's, it's not something I would encourage a non-African-American to say because it's, it, even coming from me, it's, 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 um, uh, it's easy for people to misinterpret what I'm saying. But um, I, I had a very, very um, uh, sort of uh, eye-opening moment when I went to the African-American Museum in Washington, D.C., and that it's an amazing museum. And when it opens back up, people should definitely go and experience it. But one of the, um, one of the, the uh, things that they do very well is they trace the history of slavery from its inception through its um, various iterations as it changed and um, uh, uh, evolved as the country changed and grew. But one of the truly just um, stark, uh, I, I don't even know how to put it, put it into words, uh, just moments that just made me stop and, and left me speechless was when they discussed how the slave trade changed from the international slave trade to the domestic slave trade. And again, many people don't understand this, but that in, I think it was 1805, it was either 1805 or 18, yeah, I think it was 1805, the, it became illegal to import Africans into the country from Africa so that um, it was no longer legal to import new, uh, newly uh, um, stolen Africans into the United States. But what that meant was that in order for the plantations to have a workforce, they had to breed their own. And what you saw happening was the same thing that happens to female animals in agribusiness. The females become valuable and the males become expendable. And honestly, as I stood there, I saw myself as a male chick going down a chute to be ground into, you know, a feed for something else. In other words, when they had to breed their, uh, uh, when we, when the, when the uh, slave owners had to breed their own slaves, 
it was the women who were most important and most valuable because they're the ones who could make new slaves. The men, you know, you could have one man impregnate 100 women. So the men became expendable. And I think that that attitude has carried over and continued within American culture with black men being treated as disposable, as uh, uh, expendable. Um, and we, uh, I mean, I'm not, I don't mean to imply that black women aren't also mistreated and, and abused and, and murdered, but there is much more effort to discredit and demean and destroy black men. And that is a holdover from slavery. But it is also analogous to what happens in animal agriculture. It is the females, the, the, the female chickens, the uh, female cows, um, the female sows that are most important because they are the breeding stock, whereas the males, you use them for their sperm, you uh, get whatever work you can out of them, and then you get rid of them. Very powerful conversation. We are talking to Dr. Milton Mills. I wish that you, your wisdom could be shared with everybody on the planet. We've got so many people on hold. Uh, let's hit Patty. Patty, you um got a question or thought. Patty, what would you like to say? Well, hi, Jane. Patty Shanker calling. First of all, I'd love to meet you, Dr. Mills, sometime. I have a photo of you on my phone where you say oh, milk sweet. Uh, does a body good is uh, isn't science, it's marketing, and I love that. And it brings me to one of the things that I'm very concerned about, and that's that um, I think fake advertising, like the happy cow, has led to the, um, the prevalence of fake news. And I think it all has to stop, and I don't know how to, but I just wanted to bring up that point. And my second point is that we have to stop this hierarchical thinking and we need to start more circular thinking where we're all in this together and nobody is above anybody else. And because with hierarchical thinking, there's always others that are below you and the animals are always at the bottom. So I'd love to hear some of the, um, your feedback on that. And my one last thing, because I always am asking people, why did they become vegan? I actually stopped eating animals 50 years ago because I wanted to live a nonviolent life. It took me a while to go vegan, but I finally realized it was just the same violence, if not worse. So I want to know what you find to be, obviously as a doctor, that is very, very helpful, but what you find to be the best ways to get people to change their diets. So any of the above. Sorry, I'm rambling. <laughs> oh, no, great to hear from you. Patty yeah. Shanker. Go ahead. Um, Thank you. So, yes. Um, in terms of what is the best approach for help uh, trying to get people to make diet change, that depends on the person. Um, sick people, in some respects, are easy because when someone is ill, they get religion real quick and they want to do what they need to do to try to get healthy. Most people. I mean, there's there, are unfortunately, a lot of people who's no matter how sick they are, they don't want to change. But most people, when they develop a serious illness or receive a serious diagnosis, they are willing to listen 
to um, uh, someone to help talk to them about the fact that changing your diet could help treat and possibly even reverse this illness. But there are other people, particularly young people, who, you know, all think they're going to live forever because we were there. We thought that, too. Um, and they don't they, you know, don't feel sick, but they are concerned about the planet or they're concerned about other animals and social justice. So it, it just depends on the individual and, and, and meeting them where they are. Um, I share with people that my fundamental reason for uh, becoming plant-based was spiritual. Um, yes, I, I, I believe that it, it was healthier for me, but that still wasn't enough to make me change my diet. Um, but it was when I realized that the food that I was eating was interfering with my ability to connect to and communicate with God, and it was hampering my experience with God, that I realized I had to let this, this, this unhealthy lifestyle go so that I would develop more spiritually. And of course, all of the other benefits, the health benefits and everything, you know, came along in, in, in the wake. And in terms of helping people to understand why brutality to um, our, our fellow uh, uh, earthlings is so wrong. Um, again, I am a, a Christian person, and, and, and so I, I use the Bible as my guide in a lot of ways. And I ask people, uh, when God said, it is not good for the man to be alone, what did he do next? And probably 99% of the people will say, he created Eve. And that's what I thought, too. But that's not what the Bible says. And I encourage everybody that's listening to this, go get your Bible after this uh, show is over and uh, read chapter two. When God created Adam and they were talking, the father and the son, they said, it is not good that the man should be alone. It then says God formed the beasts of the earth from, uh, uh, fr from the ground and brought them to Adam so that he could give them names. So the animals were Adam's first companions. And it was when he saw all of the animals with their mate that he realized that he didn't have a mate. And it was at that point that God uh, created Eve. So he even learned from his first companions. But animals were created to be our companions, not to be abused and mistreated by us. Well, I think that is such a beautiful, beautiful um way of looking at it. I look at it as, and I've read this book, Zealot, which is a historical account of the life of Jesus Christ, the person. And one of the most historically documented facts of the life of Jesus is that he went in to the temple in Jerusalem and chased out the animals. They always say he fought with the money changers, but he chased the animals out. Today, he would be considered a radical animal rights activist based on that act. That was an open rescue. That's what they call open rescue today. <laughs> uh, Dr. Mills, you are uh, just, uh, I just, I, I'm going to say a prayer right now that your message can get to the world. It really needs it. And I want to thank you for taking the time. I know you're a very busy man. And uh, I will see you at the news conference after this live. Hang on for one second because I have the date okay. that I'm going to give you for our Boycott Meat News Conference. Ah, this yeah. is okay. going to be a national campaign. Boy, hashtag Boycott Meat. You heard it here first. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time on Voice America Radio. My Facebook pleasure. Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you for tuning in to Jane Unchained. We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week. Thank you.